I'm Blake Hargreaves, and this is Future Stops. The music you're hearing is Celebratio, a Sir Carl Jenkins composition performed by Gisland Rees Trapp. It's the theme music for this year's International Organ Day put on by the RCO, the Royal College of Organists, in the UK. Today on Future Stops, we survey the organ festival landscape, checking in on festivals around the world to see how they're adapting to travel restrictions and bans on gatherings. We start in the United States with an organ conference dedicated to the history of the instrument. Well, my name is Ed McCall, and I'm the uh, CEO of the Organ Historical Society, which is a uh, nationwide society uh, dedicated to the celebration and advocacy of the pipe organ. We've had conventions for over 60 years uh, in various locations across the United States and even in Canada. Last year, or last summer, we had to cancel our convention in Columbus. So this year we're planning a festival of pipes, which is called Kaleidoscope of Colors. And uh, along with a group of colleagues on our task force, we selected uh, 15 instruments to uh, be presented in over five nights, five Sundays in August, three pipe organs uh, every Sunday with a wide variety of performers. Uh, these instruments represent three centuries of organ building. They range in size from one manual to five manual, and uh, from very few ranks to just you know the the, the largest of the large. <laughs> the the very first organ on our program is the Appleton organ that is the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City, which is uh, really quite fascinating and and. Uh, I think will be a surprise for many because so many people associate pipe organs with being in a church. And so from, from that perspective, it's, it will be a, um, you know, something, something a little different. Um, one of the aspects that we're particularly excited about is that over the course of the five nights, people will be able to see and hear instruments um, sort of at a, at a virtual convention that would be impossible if it was done in person at a, at any one particular city or, or venue. The closing night uh, will feature uh, the, the um, organ at Princeton University Chapel. And, uh, and Eric Klutz, who is the resident organist at the Princeton University Chapel, will be the performer there. It's a, it's a magnificent instrument and completely opposite in size and, and tone from the, the, the little Appleton organ at the museum.
Um, we are we are an organization that's dedicated to the to the uh, maintenance of the history of the provenance and the building of of each organ and and the, and the various colors that it produces. And so, with any OHS convention, any OHS recital, um, we want to hear the instrument, but we also want to learn about it and learn its history and and you know what were what were the intentions of the builders. Um, when it was when it was constructed, and and how is it different? Uh, how is the organ construction different from the 1800s to through the to the 20th century and now into the 21st century? And so what you'll see and hear is uh, you know brief introductions by the performers about the instrument, but accompanying our uh, our online virtual convention, all these recitals will be a festival program book. We have. 15 young researchers spread across the country who are preparing researched essays on each of these instruments. And that will be part of um, our festival program book. And, and that's typical for our conventions. Um, many of our members have, have library shelves filled with um, these kind of books, um, traces, trace, tracing the history of the various instruments. And having this documentation uh, preserved is an important part of our mission. For the Oregon Historical Society, there's a silver lining to this year's convention being online. The series is able to cover a huge geographic range for the first time, highlighting pipe organs all over the country. This virtual convention festival allows the OHS and other organizations who are doing similar sorts of things to reach a much wider audience. Uh, and I think that's really important in, in this day and age to to promote the pipe organ, to, to promote the history of organ building, to promote really fine organ playing. Um, not just a wider audience, but a new audience. You know, we don't we don't want this tradition to go into the dustbin of history. Um, the other thing is um, it equals the playing field. You know, going to an in-person convention can be a very expensive uh, endeavor and and by making this accessible to people and by the way our kaleidoscope of colors is free of charge there's no no registration fee you don't have to sign up you just have to have access to a computer and and so we feel that this is um, this is providing a valuable service to people who are hungry for for the arts and who are hungry for performances and have have either not had been able to access it or didn't know about it so this doesn't replace the in-person convention, but I think it equals the playing field for, for, for many people who are interested.
We go now from the United States to the Middle East and a festival dedicated to the organs of the Holy Land and surrounding region. Brother Ricardo Ceriani puts together this organ festival combining Christian, Jewish, and Muslim audiences and performers, a rare feat in this part of the world. Uh, the Terra Santa Organs Festival is a, uh, is a production of a custody of the Holy Land. The custody of the Holy Land uh, since uh, the 13th centuries century is the ecclesiastical province of the Franciscan order that uh, takes care of the main centuries of Christ Christianity in the Holy Land. For example, the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem, the Basilica of uh, Annunciation in Nazareth, Israel, and the Basilica of uh, Nativity in Bethlehem, uh, Palestine. And is also uh, present in other countries of the Middle East and the Levant. Jordan, Lebanon, Syria, Egypt, Cyprus, and Greece. In the Middle East, uh, organs are present almost exclusively in the churches of the Latin Catholic rite, right? and, and uh, in the Protestant churches, uh, Anglicans, Evangelicans, Mormons, and so on. Hence, uh, the idea of a festival. In the Middle East, uh, where there is an organ, there is a Christian community. And therefore, organ music is perceived as a specific contribution of Christian to music. So I thought of a festival that would be a contribution of Christian in countries where they are social and cultural minority, and that would be open to everyone, regardless of their religious affiliation. Everyone wishes to hear the sound of the greatest of the musical instruments. But until now, this experience was reserved almost exclusively to those who participated in a religious celebration. Instead, Jews, Jewish, Christian, and Muslim can participate in the concert of the Holy Land Organ Festival. Music, by its nature, overcomes linguistic, cultural, and religious differences. For this reason, the Catholic of the Holy Land has also established a music conservatory in Jerusalem, the Magnificat Institute, where both Israelis and Palestinians, Jewish, Muslim, and Christians play and teach, and this is unique in the, in the Middle East. The Terra, Santa, the Terra Sancta Organ Festival also, is also moving in the same direction. While the Terra Sancta Festival is special for integrating musicians and audiences of many faiths, the organizers have chosen to borrow from the Christian narrative in selecting the locations for the events. The characteristic of the Terra Santa Organ Festival is that of being the only music festival that follows the same path that Jesus and the Apostles walked. Concerts take, take place in large centuries, the large centuries and uh, in the most important churches. This aspect also has an influence on the musical program. Uh, we ask the organist to propose some musical pieces taking into account the place, for example, in Bethlehem pieces inspired by Christmas, in Nazareth to the Virgin Mary. I personally love improvisations and contemporary music. Some organists have presented their composition or uh, a composition by contemporary composers written especially for the festival. Another future of the Terra Santa Organ Festival 
uh, alone or with his, his partners, is that it is the only organ festival in some countries, such as Jordan, Palestine, Cyprus, Lebanon, and Syria. The festival not only features organ re recitals, but also concerts with other instruments and with orchestra. In recent years, some national orchestra have collaborated with us, such as the Syrian National Symphony Orchestra, the Cyprus Symphony Orchestra, and the Lebanese Philharmonic Orchestra. <laughs> Organists are very happy to participate in the festival, despite the low remuneration they receive. Many of them come because they share the mission of the festival and of the custody of the Holy Land. Some of them also come as pilgrims, while others are interested in visiting places other than very traditional circuits. Usually, they are very satisfied because when they are here, uh, they are not left uh, to themselves uh, unless uh, they wish it. But they are always with us, and thus uh, a climate of friendship uh, is created. In the YouTube channel of the Terra Santa Organ Festival, there are interviews that testify this aspect. The organist of the Terra Santa Organ Festival must have an international curriculum or be teachers of uh, important conservatories or winners of prestigious competition, or organists of important cathedrals or churches. We, 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 we do not organize Christian events, we organize concerts. You're listening to the Future Stops podcast, an initiative of the Royal Canadian College of Organists. My name is Blake Hargreaves, and I'm your host as we explore the world of the 21st century organ. We are exploring the organ festival landscape today, as it stands in the context of a pandemic. Our next stop is the UK's Royal College of Organists and their International Organ Day celebrations. Former Lord Mayor of London, Sir Andrew Parmley, is now the Chief Executive of the College. Well, I've got a passion uh, for bringing the organ to everybody, and to a certain extent, and don't take me wrongly on this one, to get, get it out of church, to disassociate the pipe organ exclusively from the church. And we say that uh, the Royal College of Organists is the first stop for every organist. So we'd like to think that we're talking about the cinema organist, the home organist, organs in synagogues, organs in Masonic lodges, for example. Wherever there's an organ, uh, we, we represent the organists. Now, being new to the job, I was trying to find a way to uh, broaden interest, public interest in the UK in the instrument. Uh, so last year in April, I announced that we would have National Organ Day, one day only, 
where every building that had an organ in it, I wanted them to open the doors, somebody plays the organ, and maybe some of the public would drift in, and maybe some of them might even consider taking up instruments, taking up lessons, rather. Now, uh, that was cancelled, by and large. However, um, it went ahead in all sorts of strange online ways uh, and on social media. So whilst uh, National Organ Day itself didn't really occur, we built a, a large groundswell of support for the concept here in the UK. That led me to think, well, if we can do it uh, on a UK basis, why don't we do it internationally? And why don't we have a week of celebrations running up to International Organ Day? And that's exactly what we're going to do uh, this April. And once again, we've been thwarted by the pandemic, but uh, this time we are better prepared and we're doing the whole thing online. Taking place over the course of the week leading up to Organ Day, the online festival has something for everyone and the advantage of being accessible to so many more people than an in-person event. So, um, We've got three announcers, myself, uh, a lady called Cheryl Enever, who's quite well known in London, and um, a lady called Anna Latwood, who is uh, in charge of music at Pembroke, Pembroke College uh, and is carving a career for herself in broadcasting with the BBC, amongst others. So we've got the three announcers, uh, and we'll have many other guests during the week. Uh, on Sunday, the 18th of April, uh, this is World Heritage Day, and so we'll be featuring organs in some of the World Heritage sites in the UK, including uh, a tour by the organist of Westminster Abbey, of the Abbey, looking at the tombstones, sounds a bit morbid, but that's what we're doing, looking at the tombstones of former Westminster Abbey organists, and then the Abbey organists will play on several of their eight organs. Uh, we'll also be going to, to Blenheim Palace. And on the same day, uh, we've called it Royal College of Organists Choral Day, and we're going to highlight the work of organists and choral directors around the country. And we've got the director of the Royal School of Church Music joining us to speak about the RSCM's role in developing and encouraging church music and the, and the ways in which we, two organisations, are going to be collaborating. Monday the 19th, we're focusing on grassroots work. We're talking about the local organist associations in the 16,000 parishes across the British Isles. And this will be largely led by the, the parent body those organ associations. It's called the Incorporated Association of Organists. Uh, Tuesday will feature cinema and theatre organists with uh, a number of fine exponents. I'm speaking to you at the moment from a town in Lancashire uh, in the northwest of England, a town called Blackpool, uh, which is famous for having a tower uh, similar to the Eiffel Tower and having a ballroom at the bottom of that tower, which features uh, a well itself, probably probably the most famous words here in Europe, and that will be played along with the Troxy uh, 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 organ in East London. Wednesday, we focus on locations other than churches. So we'll be going into um, uh, the, the, the Grand Temple at Great Queen Street, the home of British masonry, where the newly restored Willis will be played by several people. And we'll be looking at synagogues uh, and other organs. Thursday is our only really serious day when we've got a celebrity recital to be given by our chief examiner, a man called Stephen Farr, and he'll be playing on the superb Harrison and Harrison organ in All Saints, Margaret Street. Uh, well worth a look, if, if not only um, for the music, but for the beautiful interior of that church. And he will be playing music by Christopher Steele, by Dupre, and also giving us the world premiere of a piece called First Flight uh, by British contemporary composer Cecilia MacDowell. On Friday, we'll be focusing on initiatives to introduce young people to the organ, including a panel discussion between a group of well-known 
educators. Uh, and um, uh, on the final day, the International Organ Day, uh, we shall be joined by organists from around the world, not only showing us their organ, showing us their building, but showing us something about uh, where they live, what it's like to be an organist in, for example, Nairobi, in the States, in Canada, um, in Germany, where it is in, uh, it is now Instrument of the Year, the Organist and Instrument of the Year in Germany. We'll be joined on that day uh, not only by Elizabeth Shannon of the Royal Canadian College, uh, but also by James Thomashauer, who uh, is Chief Exec of the American Guild of Organists. And that um, that celebration of the global world of the organ will culminate in a live performance of uh, Kodai's late masterpiece. It's a, it's a piece called Laude's Organi, um, in praise of the organ. Uh, it will be sung by the choir of St. Paul's Knightsbridge, and by coincidence, it was commissioned uh, uh, in 1966 for the uh, Atlanta Convention of the American Guild of Organists. So, so that would be a fitting climax to the week. Uh, but there's much more going on during that week, Blake. We've got, um, we've got a, a painter in the studio gradually creating an artwork, uh, which we will auction for charity at the end of the week. Every day we've got guest improvisers dropping in and we're asking the public to uh, suggest popular tunes for them to improvise on live in the studio. But there's much more besides. We've got um, organ comedians. We've got a French barrel organ player. We've got a man who wants to make uh, organs out of Lego. Uh, I don't want to give too much away, otherwise your your, your, your audience won't, won't bother to look at us because you, you know everything that's going to come. But as you can see, um, I'm taking this out of the usual sphere of a week of recitals and trying to reach out to people who wouldn't normally consider uh, tuning into a programme about the organ. Uh, and the hope is that we can convert people uh, into the organist of the future.
An episode of Future Stops about organ festivals would not be complete without mentioning the Festival of the Royal Canadian College of Organists, our sponsors. Registration opens this week for Organ Festival Canada 2021, which takes place in Hamilton and online this year, featuring a performance competition, masterclasses, workshops, and so much more. Angela Hewitt is a classical pianist who is a companion of the Order of Canada and last November was awarded the Bach Medal in Leipzig for her interpretations of the composer's work. She has a special role in this year's organ festival. Yes, as honorary patron of the RCCO, I'm um, going to perform for you. Of course, it will have to be by video since I'm over here in London, England. And uh, I have a recital planned uh, in St. Albans Cathedral on July 13th. And when that came in just a few weeks ago, I thought, well, that would be the ideal place to film something for you. So I'm going to uh, film the uh, Bach Passacaglia in C minor and the uh, Dalbert arrangement that day uh, for you so that you can show it during uh, during your, your conference, which will be great. Uh, and yes, I think I'm also uh, going to send you a video of me playing Myra Hess's arrangement of Gigi uh, Joy Man's Desiring from Cantata 147 uh, of Bach. Uh, and that video comes from my home in Italy, in Umbria, where I can't go at the moment, but it's a video I have uh, on my new Fazioli Contagram piano. So, uh, well, both of these pieces, you know, I, I grew up, my, my father was organist and choir master at, at Christchurch Cathedral in Ottawa for almost 50 years. And so I grew up listening to organ and church music. And uh, he played this wonderful Passacaglia by Bach, uh, which I remember, you know, every note of. And uh, so when I discovered this arrangement of it by Dalbert when I was planning a studio Bach arrangement, when he was still alive, I think it was in 2000, 2000 2001, um, I learned it. And uh, although it's fiendishly difficult to play, you know, both manual manual part voices and, and also the pedal part on the on the piano with just ten fingers. Um, it's uh, it's such a wonderful dramatic and colorful piece to play that I adore it. So so it does take me back to my childhood and uh, and of course I have the organ very much in mind when I'm when I'm playing it. And it's easy to drive man's desiring, of course we've come in church. I've known that probably since before I was born. And uh, so, again, it's, it's a piece I've just grown up with in my life. And, and playing Myra Hess's arrangement, I think especially at the moment, you know, she, um, she that was a piece that she made famous when she gave her daily broadcast from the National Gallery of London here in England during the Blitz. And there's still people alive who remember that. And this was sort of her signature tune. So playing it in a time of hardship, which we're all going through now, I think is very appropriate. One thing, you know, because I think you get a lot of feedback from friends and fans who watch my stuff online and other stuff online. And one thing that I, that people tell me over and over again is how much they enjoy seeing the close-up of the hands, you know, which I know that there are some concert series who, who, who already in previous years have had like big screens on the stage so people can see the hands. But that I don't like, actually, because... You know, I'm playing away and then I look out in the audience and everybody is looking up at this big screen when I'm actually there on the stage. And that, this I really don't like. I mean, I suppose if you're, you have an organist in the cathedral, you know, who's hidden at the back, then yes, I, I would be all in favor for something like that, of course. 
but uh, but I'm also all in favor of people focusing their attention, you know. But but yes, on a video with with clever camera work and stuff, they can of course focus on the hands, and they love that, and and they feel that they're really close to you, and and they feel the intimacy of a of an event and can see your face and the emotions in your face. So I think a lot of people really, really, uh, really, really appreciated that. But again, there's nothing to replace, you know, seeing people afterwards and giving them a hug and having a cup of coffee and intermission <laughs> and, uh, and the social aspect of it, I think, which is a very important part. And just the sense of being in a concert hall or a cathedral or a church when, when, uh, you know, for a communal event, just a part of the, the sense of being in an audience. That's really so important. So let's hope we get back to it before too long. We at Future Stops are so glad that technology is making it possible for the tradition of music festivals to continue this year. We look forward to seeing more of the ingenious ways in which organizers and musicians will bring us together for sharing our appreciation of the organ and learning more about it. We'd like to thank our guests for joining us on Future Stops. If you'd like to learn more about any of these festivals, all of the links and info can be found on our social media pages. Subscribe to the Future Stops podcast and social accounts and join the community. Future Stops is a podcast from the Royal Canadian College of Organists, produced by Andrew O'Connor with Haley Raymond as community manager and executive producer Elizabeth Shannon. And I'm your host, Blake Hargreaves. Thank you for listening.